are listening to the District Church Podcast. To learn more about us, find us online at districtchurch.org. You may have your seat uh, and glad that you're able to join us this uh, afternoon as we dig into God's Word. Hey, let me just say this. Uh, one of the things that has really encouraged me, um, even as uh, we sit here every single week to learn from God's Word, is uh, it's actually been very enriching for me. I've had the privilege of being in ministry for a while now, uh, but just to see how we've leaned into God's Word week on week. And even as we are getting into this um, uh, series, you know, I really, I really believe that it's going to be transformative. The next few weeks, we, this series is titled Seven Days That Changed the World, because it did, it did change the world. And, and we are getting into this uh, beginning today. Uh, uh, this, this has been known as the Holy Week. And, and these are the last days that are leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. And every, every series that uh, we have, uh, you know, we've presented here, we've, we've taught, we've leaned into God's word, you know, bathed in prayer and all that. And it's my prayer and my encouragement that we will learn how to just making this a habit where we can come and devour God's word together because uh, we will not remain the same every time we go into God's word. And there are many of us who we know that this is your testimony because this is my testimony. Every week as we've opened up God's word for us and even as we've learned, even as a pastor, uh, God has done something significant. And I pray that even this series will be no less, but it will change your life, it will change your family, and God will establish some great things in your life. Uh, and so really, as we go through these seven days, the significance of this last week of, of Christ's earthly ministry and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know and, and mission, and even his life here on, uh, on earth, you know, is such that it was captured, you know, when you look at the gospel, the four gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' story, uh, a third of these gospels captures these seven days. Uh, and it just reminds you of how significant this time is. It re just reminds you how these days are very significant to you and I being here today worshiping God, you know, and throughout this Lenten season, Lenten season actually begins on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, and we're going to be gathered at uh, uh, the Chinese Community Church this Wednesday from 7 p.m., and I'll give more details towards the end. Uh, but Lenten season, throughout this season, we shall, as we prepare ourselves for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're going to be camping in the book of Mark. Uh, and, and this is just where we, we find, you know, uh, you know the, the account in a way that can be able to help us even engage on a day uh, today. There's a lot that happened this week. Uh, there's a lot that happened that we rarely talk about. We never get an opportunity to be able to just unpack this week. And, and we're inviting you that for the next eight weeks, we can be able to sit in this because Jesus encountered moments of profound adoration uh, but he also encountered moments of heartbreaking abandonment, uh, especially by those who are closest to him. You know, Jesus faced arrest. Uh, he became entangled in political conspiracies that were orchestrated by jealous authorities. He endured, you know, cruel treatment under the uh, Roman authorities, the soldiers. He even underwent a rigged trial. <laughs> you know, there's so much that Jesus went through, you know, and ultimately he suffered the excruciatingly painful gory death on the cross. And on the third day, he resurrected, and he even appeared to those who had mourned him. And so for the next eight weeks, or beginning today, you know, we shall live through each day of this holy week. Uh, we we want to take each day, every week, uh, and, and, and we're going to look through the eyes of those who followed him. You know, what did they see 
What did they hear? What are the things that Christ said? Uh, and what are the things that he did during these seven days? And how do those things affect our lives? And then we shall celebrate. You know, we shall celebrate uh, the resurrection because he, he, he resurrected. Uh, but not only because he resurrected, but also because of the hope that his resurrection gives us, which is hope uh, that brings eternal life. And one of the things that I want to ask you to do is that, you know, and we'll give you more details about this, is to begin even to think about who will you invite to come and celebrate together? Who can you even invite during this series because you know that God will do and see some significant things in their lives? Because come Easter Sunday, we want to prepare a space where as many of us as possible, including our family and friends, can be able to connect. So we are adding a third service on Easter Sunday. And for all those early risers, you know, uh, we have an 8 a.m. service. Uh, Hopefully we'll have coffee and bagels, hallelujah, um, you know, and, and, uh, and then we'll have a 9.30 and 11.30, you know, so uh, 8, 9.30 and 11.30, and we'll give you more details about that. So start thinking about that, who are you going to invite uh, to be a part of this celebration? Because Palm Sunday, you know, uh, today we're talking about Palm Sunday. Uh, this is not the Palm Sunday day, you know, but today we're talking about that. And this is the first day of the Holy Week. And, and one of the most significant things is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Some of us are familiar with this because with Palm Sunday from our church backgrounds. You know, some of us, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's okay. I'm, I'm hoping that even as I unpack, you'll begin to understand. But not much is really known or talked about this particular day. Because here, here's the thing that I've realized. Palm Sunday lives in the shadows of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. You know, so we don't talk much about the days that are leading up to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So for the next few minutes, I want to invite you to imagine with me that we are living in Palm Sunday. You know, uh, and, and Good Friday and Easter Sunday has, has not happened yet. You know, we are grateful for what is to come. However, walking through the events of this day, especially Palm Sunday, will help us put into perspective what is coming uh, thereafter. Because his followers did not know that Good Friday was coming. They didn't know that Easter Sunday was coming. They had no idea. All they had was Palm Sunday. Today is all they had. Today is all we have. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. And so today is all, all we have for us. So imagine with me, and I really believe that as we go through this moment, there's some powerful things that God is going to start revealing to you, even with where you are. And I pray for revelation for each and every one of us, regardless of where you are in your journey of faith. So I want, to I want you to join me in imagining that we're living in Jerusalem, AD 33. Can we do that? Yeah? Can we do that? So, so imagine, it is, it is Sunday, and probably you, you've woken up, and you're preparing yourself, you're going to the temple, and, and you walk out of your door, and, and then you see this group of people, you know, and you see smaller groups of people, and they're all chatting, and there's these animated conversations as they are pointing towards uh, the, east, the eastward side, you know, the, the, the Mount of Olives. And, 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 you know, there's some excitement that, that is coming up, you know, even as they're having this conversation. And then uh, before you could figure out what's going on, they take off eastward. And your curiosity, of course, has started building up because you want to know why, what is this that majority of the people in your small village are super excited about. And, and so you try and catch up with them. And as you're trying to catch up with them, you see that many more people are, you know, are joining them and they're engaging in, in conversations, animated conversations. And what ends up happening, once you get to them, you, know, you ask, what's going on? Where are we going? And the reality is that they just tell you, hey, yeah, uh, we think the Messiah is coming. 
And of course, you are wondering, you're like, is this, is this like the true Messiah or is it? Because we've had many false prophets who've come, many false teachers who've come. Uh, is this like the real Messiah? And the guy you're speaking to just says like, yeah, dude, this is like, this is it. This is the real, uh, the real deal. And before you could even get like the full story, uh, you, you start hearing shouts from afar. You know, you don't know whether they are praises. You don't know whether they are songs. You don't know whether they are cries. Uh, but you can hear noises from afar. And you realize that there are those who had gone uh, uh, earlier on and they are returning into the city. And they are making these shouts. And you could see them from afar. And now, as the crowds are increasing, you know, there's, there's uh, shoving, you know, there's elbowing one another. Uh, as everyone is trying to get a glimpse of the, the, the focal point, the center point of all this commotion. And, and as they get closer to you, the louder uh, they become. And then finally, uh, you, you, you see it. You begin to see it. You see them removing their cloaks and they're putting it down, you know, uh, and, they're, and they're cutting off uh, branches uh, of trees, of leafy trees and, and, and palms, and they're putting them on the, on the road. And, and then you realize that, that they are making way for something or someone. You know, uh, and, and as you're in that space, you, you, you finally get into, get this vantage point and you finally see it. And he is there, you know, and, and, and he's riding on a, on a donkey. And, and now you know that this action was, was befitting for uh, either a king or a prominent person or even a general who had conquered something. So this is not just something, uh, they're not doing this for any ordinary individual. There must be something important or significant about this individual. And then you see him right there riding on a donkey. Now, he's not dressed in royalty. You know, he's just like any other peasant person that you can come across the street. But he's right there riding on a donkey. And, 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 and while you're stuck in that gaze, you find yourself joining in the shouts with the rest of the people. And you start shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There is jubilation. There is reverence. Maybe there is even fear. Because you recognize that even in the midst of all this commotion, is that... This, this guy may not be for the Roman authorities. And, and, and for you to do what you're doing right now is that you will draw attention to yourself from the Roman authorities. And, and if you're against the Roman authorities, there's only one way you'll end up, and you'll end up on the cross. And, and so there might, be, might have been a sense of fear for those who are around there, but they keep on shouting, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna. So you're thinking to yourself, if this guy is bold enough to do what they are saying, what, what he is doing, if, if these people are proclaiming what I know, then this must be it because the time has come that what was written hundreds of years ago or a long time ago is now happening. You remember the things that were taught in the temple. You remember, you know, what was talked about, uh, one, one of the prophecies by a guy named Zechariah. And this is what he says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout Daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. And it hits you. You're like, this is it. This is entrance that is fit for a king. You, you turn to the people around you and you don't even have to ask them or seek confirmation because their faces tells it all. They are excited. The Messiah has finally come. This is it. This is the moment. It is about to go down and the Romans have no idea what's coming their way. Finally, the Messiah who will free us, free us from all our misery. And he says, Hosanna. 
In fact, when you sing Hosanna, Hosanna literally means save us, we pray. You know, oftentimes we sing it as worship and adoration to God, but it actually means a, more of a plea for help than it was worship. An acclamation of praise to one who has the power to save. You, you see, as we continue immersing ourselves in this, even his disciples, his closest disciples must have experienced something different on this day. Because all through, Jesus had urged the people to keep his, uh, quiet about his identity. But on Palm Sunday, he openly declared himself as such. He says, if anyone asks you when he sent the disciples to go and get the colt, why are you doing this? He says, say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. Even his choice of entrance into Jerusalem made a statement. It was a huge statement. And it was a great departure from how Jesus had led his ministry up to this point. Because he allowed the crowds to praise him. He allowed them to form a parade, to even set up a parade for him. Which he had not done up to this point. And, and so everything about this particular day or this particular moment creates this awesome feeling. What a great day. What an awesome feeling that we get to be part of what was prophesied hundreds of years before. And you look around you and everything about what is going on begins to elevate your spirit. Because there's so much joy and happiness. We are on the verge of breakthrough. There's a sense of joy. There's a sense of hope. There's a sense of anticipation and accomplishment. We have waited for this long and now this is it. This is the day and he is here. Question, have you ever had a this is it moment? I know, I know many of us, we probably, many of us, uh, if not all of us, have had this, this is it moment. Uh, a moment where ev everything around you was communicating to you that my breakthrough is finally coming. Have you ever had that moment when you feel like my miracle is right around the corner? You know, you, you feel like finally my prayers are about to get answered. I have agonized about this thing. I have prayed about it. I can see it. I can feel it. The breakthrough is coming. We are about to turn the corner. I don't have the answer yet, but every bone in me is telling me that this is the moment. I don't have the money yet, but I can feel it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, our parents used to uh, uh, trick us earlier on when we were growing up, and they would tell us that if you scratch your palm, money is coming. Oh, oh, even here. Oh, I thought it was just a, a Kenyan thing. Uh, I, I'm like, yeah, if you scratch, yeah, money is coming. Just, the, the signs are telling you that the breakthrough is coming. Hallelujah. You know, and, 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 and we're about to turn the corner. You know, I, I don't have the promotion yet, but there are signs that that job is mine. I may not have the healing uh, yet, uh, but, but I haven't received it yet, but I am feeling better than I've ever felt before. And so I know that my healing is coming. Uh, I, you know, I may be in this relationship, uh, he or she hasn't said anything yet, but I know all the signs are telling me that this is the time, this is the season. This is it. There's a sense of hope surrounding the triumphal entry of Jesus on this day. And many of us, we have those this is it moments. You know for sure that Jesus Christ is right around the corner. Verse 9 even tells us, those who went ahead and, and, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the high. They knew, they knew that something is about to change. And they proclaim these words, they are shouting to the Lord. 
Then, verse 11. And verse 11 just throws you off. Because it, it makes you wonder whether Mark had omitted some things from this uh, uh, account of Jesus. In fact, when you look at verse 11, this is what it says. Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. This is, this is like the epitome of like anticlimax. You know, if you have like categories of anticlimax, if anticlimax had categories, this is like right there at the top. And, and right here at the bottom is uh, uh, a day like today for 49ers fan, fans who, who, are, who are very hopeful. And like, this is it. This, this, this is it. This is our day. This is our moment. But there will be disappointment <laughs> at the end of the day. Go Chiefs. It's like, it's like you're watching one of those movies, you know, you know one of your, one of, one of, it's, a, it's a good movie, and, and then the screen goes blank, and you think that they're transitioning to a different scene, only for credits to start rolling. And, and you're like, who, who produces movies like this? And, and so this, there's just an anticlimax. You're like, after, after the triumphal entry, uh, uh, this is what happens in verse 11. And you're like, time out, Jesus. Time out, let's, let's have a conversation. Is this, is this all you got? Did we just go through the entire parade, pull the crowds, get us excited? Is this what the prophecy was about? I, I, I'm confused, Jesus, because what is this, the strategy? Because surely there must be more, because this cannot be, be it. We thought you were bringing in your kingdom. Perhaps we should have been heading to the palace and not the temple because we thought that you're bringing in your kingdom at this point. This was such an anticlimax to most of the followers, especially for those who expected to, that Jesus will follow you know, the conventional path of a triumphant you know, leader. He didn't even cleanse the temple immediately. He entered the temple and he didn't do anything. He, he didn't even lead a revolt against the Roman leaders. You're like, Jesus, at least even give us a rousing speech that will help us know or even inspire us with your strategy of how your kingdom is going to come. Tell us something. Give us something that we can work with. Instead, we are told that after he entered Jerusalem, he simply observed and left. And Palm Sunday appears to be a day that leaves us with a mix of conflicting emotions. Because the, the, way, the way Jesus shows up into Jerusalem raises your level of expectation, but in, in reality, it turns out to be that what you expected is not what he really set out to do. The people were shouting, Hosanna, but did they really want God to save them from their sin? Or do they want God to save them from Roman occupation? Because in their minds, he was the long-awaited Messiah who will bring his earthly kingdom and establish his kingdom. They believed that Jesus was there to rescue them from the Roman government. But that is not what Jesus was there for. And their disappointment, I suggest to us, must have been palpable. And you and I know that our lives are filled with many of these moments. And it could be an event. It could be a season 
where Jesus doesn't do the things that we think he's going to do. And, and we live in the disappointment of our expectations not being met. We, we begin to live even a miserable life in faith. And, and unfortunately, some of us even leave the faith. You see, there, there are even some scriptures sometimes we quote because we're trying to convince ourselves that, yes, we know what is going on. We know what Christ is trying to do. We know what God is trying to do. Uh, but, but unfortunately, amongst Christian circles, these scriptures have become cliches. You know, we'll quote even things like Isaiah and we'll say, you know what, uh, uh, God is sovereign and, and his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our, our thoughts until the very thing that you've been waiting on God for does not come. And the reality checks in. Personally, and you begin to ask yourself, is this it? You know, what was, this is it, I feel like this is the moment. You're like, God, is this, is this it? And, and personally, I have often grappled to understand the significance of the main event surrounding this day. And this is not theologically. I don't struggle with it theologically. I struggle with it practically because immersing yourself in the day, it carries a sense of false hope. Amen. Jesus, this doesn't really seem to align with what we have just experienced. Like, like what I've experienced with you and, and, and what I'm experiencing right now are two different things. And, and you and I often get stuck or extremely disappointed at the intersection of the things that we want him to do, what we expect him to do, and the things that he actually does. That, that, that Jesus, you know, during the time of prayer and fasting, you were right there beside me. I mean, I had every word. I opened the Bible and it was so enriching and we were having a wonderful time and I felt like this year is going to be different. But since then, it feels like everything else has been wrong. You're like, Jesus, I thought that this is the season when, uh, uh, you know, you're reconciling, you know, my relationship with my, with my siblings. You know, th there's a mend on those relationships. And, and, and you thought, and you felt like you're heading in the right direction until you're not. You're like, I, I, God, I, th I thought I had you clearly about starting this business. I, I, th I thought you spoke very clearly to me. And it felt like things were happening very well at the very beginning, and then not. Did, did, I, did I get the promise wrong? Did I get the word wrong? You're like, uh, I, I, I thought I was feeling better. I thought that I was on the road to recovery. I thought everything around me was telling me that, yes, I was on the right trajectory. But now the doctor's report tells me something different. I, I thought that job was mine. And I'm giving us this example so that you can connect with what your example of an is this it moment is. I thought that job was mine. I even, they even told me that I aced all the interviews. I was just waiting for the confirmation letter. And then you're like, it's been given to someone else. God, I thought that this is the season that you'll finally bless us with a child. Why? Why? You even allowed us to conceive. I thought this is the person that you, you wanted me to marry. Is this, is this it? 
like, Jesus, why are you setting me up for disappointment? Why are you getting me excited for something and then just drop me? Is this it? Many of us are living in this moment right now. Many of us have been living in this moment for a while. And, and, and friends, it's, it's essential, and I pray for, for revelation uh, for us, it's essential to grasp that Jesus Christ goes beyond what we might expect. As, as humans, we might prefer, in fact, sometimes we prefer God to fit neatly into our comfort zones, catering to our preferences and meeting our desires but it's crucial for us to recognize that Jesus as Lord is not bound by our desires. Our, our understanding of God can be confined to what we have learned or what we have experienced in the past. And those things begin to dictate. But what that does is that it limits uh, our understanding or even uh, the vastness and the sovereignty of God's character and his vision for us. If you don't get anything else from this message, I want to encourage you that when the day has ended, when you come to the close of this day and you have not received your breakthrough, I pray that we at the district church, we will learn how to trust that his plans are not confined in a day. They are not confined to a day. And we need to remind ourselves that God is not limited by time the way we are. Be because we might have come to the end of prayer and fasting. If you haven't received your breakthrough, that is not the end for God. It's just not the designed end for him. We may come to the end of this day and you feel like, God, I am despairing because my breakthrough has not come. God is not bound by time the way we are bound by time. And we must trust that his plan is not limited to the day. His plan is not limited to this year, 2024. So he may not even answer your prayer this year, but he's not limited to this year. His plan goes beyond our expectation. When we assume we know exactly how God works or what to expect in every situation, I say to us, we risk becoming too familiar with God. The, the crowd that welcomed Jesus on Palm Sunday recognized the importance of the triumphal entry. They knew everything about it, but they misunderstood the purpose of the triumphal entry. They hailed Jesus as the Messiah, expecting him to free them from Roman occupation. However, they failed to grasp that Jesus came to save them from sin, not political oppression. They sought a temporal solution. Jesus brought eternal salvation. And sometimes I think we get too familiar with God that we think we are peeps and we know what he wants. Have you guys seen those I, I, I went from mama to bra t-shirts? I went from mama to mommy to mom to bra. Uh, some of you probably haven't come across this, but, but it's just that how, how there's just been this trend where now, you know, when kids grow up and they begin to feel like they are now peeps with their parents. You know, and, and now it's no longer mommy, it's, it's bra. <laughs> Thank God my kids have not used this on me because this will be, that will be the last day or the last word. 
that they speak. Because your, your, children, your children get to the place where they begin to feel like they're equal stakeholders in your house. They are not. And, 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 and so here's the thing. Sometimes I feel like we, we can do with God is where we, we get to the place where we feel like we're equal stakeholders in his mission and his kingdom. And that we understand how things are meant to work. And sometimes we even get frustrated when things don't work our way because we feel like we know. I'm glad that my sons are in this service. (laughs) Engaging in religious practices. You guys will get $5 after this for using your story. Anyway, engaging in religious practices without true reflection and intentionality can lead to a sense of routine and familiarity. This is what I mean. If, if our prayers, if, if our uh, uh, coming to church every Sunday, if our giving of our tithes and offerings, if our going to life group, if our serving here every week or serving even outside of this space every week becomes mechanical, we lose the depth of the connection that Jesus wants us to have with him. And he really wants us to be able to know him more and to know about God, his father. We recognize and we acknowledge the importance of all those things that we talk about, but we might miss the purpose as to why we do those things. There's a psalm that we like quoting that is very popular. There's even a song uh, about it, and this is Psalms 118, verse 24. Uh, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you guys know the song? How does it go? We know. We know the song. Great. So, so, So this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Now, one of the things that you need to understand, let me explain this because it will, it will sort of bring this into context. When their forefathers were instructed by God, you know, to commemorate the Feast of the Tabernacle, and this is in Leviticus 23, the instruction was for them to dwell in, in shelters constructed from uh, uh, branches of palm uh, leaves and, and, and palm trees and leafy trees throughout the years. I think we have a picture of that, uh, uh, you know, if you can just show it. And, and, and throughout the years of the Exodus, they, they, they continuously lived in such temporary structures, you know, because that's all they had in the wilderness. They, they didn't have permanent structures. Now, upon entering the promised land, they adapted this practice for a week each year. And the reason why they will do this for a week each year is as a reminder of the hardships that they had endured during the exodus and and reminding themselves of the gracious provision and sustenance and guidance of Jesus, uh, of God in the wilderness. It it served as as this tangible representation of trusting in God's presence and care, even in the midst of life's uncertainties, you know, and and this act of living in this, you know, makeshift dwellings or these structures symbolized the the, the temporary nature of life's hardships Uh, because it's a good reminder that everything we are going through in this earth is temporary, you know, and and the the transient nature of worldly comfort uh, that that today we have it, tomorrow we don't have. And as the week-long festival reached its culmination, that the people would parade to the temple with all this. They will be waving these palm branches and they would sing and they will recite some of the psalms that were written. And during this celebratory procession, what will happen is that the people acknowledge God's faithfulness in bringing them from Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land. And one of the psalms that they will sing is Psalms 118 
they would sing this. And this psalm, when you read it, in fact, go and read it back at home, Psalms 118. This psalm is rich in messianic prophecies. It has, it has, you know, it's deep in reflections of, or even themes of reflection and salvation and deliverance and even thanksgiving. And this is where you find this popular verse. And the context of it even starts much earlier in the chapter. But I want to capture this. I will praise you from verse 21. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Remember, these were the forefathers who were singing this song. And it was passed on from generation to generation. This wasn't just about a new day. This was about a specific day, a day ordained by God. It was about the coming salvation through Jesus Christ. And their forefathers would sing these songs, reminding themselves of what God had done for them. But not only that, prophetic declarations of what God was going to do for them. So in a broad sense, this is what I'm trying to help us understand. It is indeed accurate and it's okay for us to be able to uh, uh, celebrate every day with this psalm. We can be able to do that, you know, because Lord, the Lord creates each day. And it gives us a cause for joy and gratitude in every moment. So when we arise tomorrow, we give thanks to God and we shall rejoice in that day. Palm Sunday was a day designed by the Lord for rejoicing and gladness as the day Jesus entered Jerusalem, greeted with hosannas as the Savior of Israel, regardless of what the desires of the people of that time had in mind. In the gospel account of Luke, you find that Jesus Christ, he emphasized that if on that day, Palm Sunday, human voices failed to rejoice and be glad in it, even the stones, that the very stones would cry out the praises and the hosannas to the Lord. And, and as you're going to see in the coming days, what you will find is that the same people who hailed Jesus are the same ones who will begin to shout, crucify him, crucify him, forgetting, Psalms 118, forgetting what was said about Jesus Forgetting what was said, what was declared, who Jesus is and what this day is about. The promise of salvation they forget through Him that it was going to come. They forget the very scriptures that were very present for them every single day. And how I pray for us at the district church, Lord, help us that we do not become too familiar with you, that we lose our reverence of you. That we do not become too familiar with God's word. We forget the things that he has declared about us. Because we know that this was him coming. There was a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. You know, on a donkey. Proclaiming peace. But there's a second coming. And that's a second coming of war and judgment. And so we don't get too familiar and too loose with God's word. But we can be able to engage with what God has for us. When Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, his mission and the salvation he offered transcended the immediate desires of the people. They sought a temporal solution. Jesus brought about eternal salvation. They wanted deliverance from political oppression. Jesus was offering deliverance from sin's oppression. We want Jesus to provide for our daily needs. He wants to redeem us for eternity. 
We want Jesus to heal us from our physical ailments. But what he wants more than anything else is to heal your relationship with him because he wants you in eternity with him. On Palm Sunday, Jesus was presenting himself as the Messiah. On Palm Sunday, Jesus was setting the stage for an event that will happen at the end of the week that will change the course of history. People might have been disappointed when he walked away to Bethany because he didn't say anything. He simply observed. But they didn't know that his plan was still at play. And the people missed it. Look in his gospel account of the triumphal entry. He captures a detail that I want to highlight for us because in chapter 19, verse 41 and to 44, as he approached Jerusalem, Jesus Christ, and he saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Why? Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I pray that this is a message that brings conviction to us. Jesus wept recognizing that there was a missed opportunity as the people who had longed for their promised Redeemer since the very first scene in the garden were about to reject Him. They were about to crucify Him as one who's a common criminal. And in sorrow, Jesus begins to forewarn them of the consequences saying that your enemies will surround you, even your children will face harm. This is because you did not recognize your salvation when it appeared. Jesus knew very well what was awaiting him in a few days. But the thing that moved him the most was the fate of his people. You see, friends, as I bring this to a close, often Christ, when Christ does not align with our preconceived notions, there's a temptation to reject him. And we start mirroring the crowds in Jerusalem. And, and, and we shall see this in the coming weeks. Perhaps Jesus presents himself to you today. In, in fact, every day his gospel is present for you. The, the question is, will you allow him to make a triumphal entry into your heart and into every aspect of your lives today? You know, you know, rather than merely honoring and worshiping Him with, with words and, 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 and with, with, you know, action that, and then later on you reject Him because He hasn't done the things that you wanted Him to do. Will you embrace Him today saying that I want you in my life? Because more than anything, what He wants is to fulfill a deeper spiritual need that transcends your expectations that surpasses your political, your cultural, your economic concerns. It surpasses all those things. The events surrounding your life might create a sense of false hope because we, what we thought Jesus was going to do, He doesn't do. The question is, is this it, Lord? And I hear the Lord saying, this 
is the day that I have made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it and so I'm going to invite you to rise to your feet because I want us to pray I want us to respond to this word because yes your expectation may not have been met yes you might be in a situation where you feel like things have not been answered you feel like you're in a long season a dry season and things have not been working for you but as we sing this song I want to invite you to respond appropriately. We're going to have the prayer team here. And they want to stand with you. We thank God for the prayer team because they always desire to stand with you in that season of prayer, in the thing that the Holy Spirit has deposited in your life. And you want to wrestle with God. But as we sing this song, on Palm Sunday, Jesus Christ came. Even though your needs have not been met, His plan is still at play. And as we sing, the one word that I have for you is that press on. Press on. You may not feel like your prayer has been answered. Press on. Press in in seven days. Every week, be here so that we can lean into what God has for us. Press in. You may not feel it now, but the Lord's plan is still at play. Let us sing together.